is, um, was uh, interesting. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Diane and I were up in Boca Raton uh, this last week uh, celebrating my birthday. And um, I, um, I turned 70 this, um, this year. Um, and uh, it's okay because I, I still have the mind of a 20-year-old. My wife says sometimes a 15-year-old, but anyway. Uh, we spent the time with my son, Eric, up in uh, Boca Raton, and his wife, Elizabeth, and my grandson, Elijah, who is now all grown up on his own and working and so on and so forth. We got a chance to eat. My son and I went out diving, and I did get a chance to do some scuba diving. Go figure, huh? <laughs> and it was kind of neat because we we were doing some wreck dives, and I did I did two wreck dives. Where I was ready. Well, okay, we'll just go, we'll, we'll go home. I said, I nah, do one more. He says, you get. He says, we got another tank. He says, why don't you go ahead and do one more? He says, we'll pick it up on the way to the inlet. He said, but there's another wreck out here, and he says, you might want to join. So, I went down and and I did a solo dive on that one, and um, which I'm certified to do. I was went down and, and, and over the wreck, and I came up. I don't, didn't think about it. I'm sitting there, and I'm filling out my logbook. I've kept a logbook since. 30-some years or whatever, I kept the same logbook. And it's interesting, the number of the dive on my last dive was 1,070 on my 70th birthday. I said, it was a, it's a cool, how cool is that? Wasn't even expecting that. So it was, but anyway, we had a good time, ate out, and I didn't gain any weight. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Anyway, didn't lose any, but I didn't gain any. So it still counts. Praise the Lord. I got, I got a message this morning. This is interesting. Uh, uh, I'm going to talk about position for an open heaven. Open heaven message. Generally, when you hear some preacher goes up and talks about open heaven, we're talking about revival. I'm going to, that is true. But when I was, I was studying for this message and going over some things, I was looking at what God was doing in the Bible in, in under the open heaven and how he was even talking to individuals. I shared a little bit with them. With, um, last night, I shared some about open heaven. I shared some of my leadership this morning in the war room. Uh, we got talking about it and the revelation that God has given us. And uh, it's, it's, I sat down and, and I was looking at, uh, when I study sometimes, I just Google something, a question on the Internet. I go out there and I find what other answers are, and I just pick up ideas, different things like this. Uh, well, this one's scriptural, uh, this one ain't. And you'll go through something like that. And I begin to compile this, and God began to speak to me about an open heaven. I knew it was him because it was like when I heard the phrase, open heaven, my heart was immediately gripped. I mean, it was. This was of God, and this is what he wanted for our church uh, this morning, plus whatever we're preaching this morning, so I'm going I'm to give you the message. But it, it, it goes beyond revival, just revival. Now, for all the younger people who do not remember the old-time revivals, I'm not talking about a revival meeting. I'm talking about an outpouring of God, like the charismatic movement, the word of faith movement, prophetic movement, uh, all saints movement. I mean, all the different movements were actually revivals that were poured out, not in a particular town or church, but corporately, sometimes globally. Uh, if, you, if you do a history study of the charismatic movement, for instance, I came into the kingdom just after that, uh, around the Word of Faith uh, revival when that was going on, and that went global and, and, and other, other ministry stuff sprung up, some churches sprung up. If you want to go back even further, you can go back to the Reformation days. Uh, when Martin Luther was a re reformer from the Catholic Church originally, and uh, uh, was there was three main—not um, getting into too much history—but there was three ma three main 
um, religious denominations that were formed out of that. The Lutheran Church, the Episcopalian Church, and the Presbyterian Church were formed from uh, that same, ref what they called the Reformation, the Great Reformation. And what happened, Martin Luther had gotten biblical truth that kind of went cross-grained with what some of the Catholicism was, and when he was bringing it back as a reformer for the Catholic Church, he was excommunicated. <laughs> for the, for, for, but then you go from there, you go to the holiest movement, all through history, we see this where God has poured out his spirit and, and basically in a certain thing. Now, so that's what we think of when we think about open heaven. I think about that revival. But what God has shown me this week, he has shown me there's an individual basis, small, that we have access to an open heaven. An open heaven, be, actually, have we access to the Father. And I'm looking at this, I said, okay, so the title of my message is Positioned. My original title was Positioning. And I think, well, wait a minute. When I, the more I studied, this isn't a positioning. This is, we are already positioned. Yes, we just have to acknowledge what God has already done for us. So I'm going to give you some scripture this morning. Uh, uh, I, I, in my research, I found none less than 14 scriptures, Old and New Testament, that refer to open heavens. I'm going to so I'm going to sit down and read all 14 to you this morning. No, I'm not going to do that. But, uh, uh, but I'm just telling you, there's, there's a mountain of, of, of information about open heaven that God has put place in his word. And I believe this is the word for today. I believe this is what God wants to do uh, for us today. Now, I don't have enough time really to do, you know, to get into every aspect of what God has been showing me. This will probably bleed out in other messages, kind of like the presence of God did in other messages. And we'll get, the, we'll get all the truth. Uh, but uh, I picked up some quotes talking about revival. I'll talk about that first. I picked up some quotes. I want to read those first. This one, first one is from Andrew Murray. I don't know if you remember Andrew Murray back in early 1800s, 18 and 1900s, uh, was a minister in South Africa. But he said this. He said, a true revival means nothing less than a revolution casting out the spirit of worldliness and selfishness and making God and his love triumphant in the heart and life. That was Andrew Murray. And he also said this, he said, may not a single moment of my life be spent outside the light, love, and joy of God's presence. I thought that was, was good. Here's another one from Evan Roberts. I really, I think I'm going to hang on this one. This one here I want to put on the refrigerator or something. It says, power, talking about God's power, power ridicules the strength of the enemy. I'll say, I'll, I'll paraphrase it, say the power of God actually makes mockery or ridicules the power of the enemy. Some people think that the devil isn't equal to God, only opposite. It's not true. The devil, God is not, a, I get news for you, God is not war with the devil. He doesn't even, as far as God's concerned, I mean, that's it, he's, the devil will be gone. He's not an equal. The devil is equal to the archangel, Michael, if anything, but never equal to God. I don't know if that, if that uh, understands anybody, but basically uh, he was in heaven as Lucifer, and he had an insurrection in heaven, and uh, God said one word, he was out. <laughs> he was out and down here bothering us. Praise the Lord. But anyway, so... Um, I wanna, so I want to share that. What happens is when I talk, so I mentioned revival, when did these revivals, and I can go through history and I can mark almost, because I, I studied this back in my Bible college days, but I studied the history of different movements and, and how they started, how they stopped. And almost invariably, 
uh, the stopping of a revival was always blamed on God. In other words, God just pulled back his, his covering, he pulled back his anointing, and it just ended, and of course the next generation came up and God did a brand new thing. The problem with that, that's, that's a good theory, but the problem is that I have a scriptural problem, and the scripture is in Leviticus chapter 6. If you remember anything about the law, the priests used to build a fire for the offerings, the burnt offerings. And, the, and it says this in Leviticus 6, 12, and 13. It was a priest's responsibility to light the, or God's responsibility to lit the fire, but it was a priest's responsibility to keep the fires burning. When I studied this out, I found out that in the Old Testament, there was actually three fires. There's one bigger fire, pile of wood, that was burning for the burnt offerings. The burnt offerings were a peace offering that they would bring in, they would lay the offering on it, and it would, and it would burn it completely up. There was a second fire that was really set aside for lighting the altar of incense. The altar of incense. Now, if you think about the, symbol, the symbolism in the incense, incense is worship, worshiping God. So that was set for that. And then there was a third fire that was set a reserve in case the other two went out. They had something to relight with. I said, hmm, this sounds interesting. Three fires. If we take the first fire, which is the altar of incense, and we lay our sacrifice on it, that's like us uh, coming to Christ and giving ourselves to Christ. Then what happens? We have a second fire within us. That's where we lift our hands and we worship God. And we begin to give him praise. That's the second fire. But what about the third fire? Well, you see, when, when we, when we kind of cool off and we don't do the first fire anymore, we don't sacrifice and we're not making the sacrifices, you know, our worship has kind of gotten weak and, and, and mundane and, and diluted. God has put a third fire in our hearts called the Holy Spirit that can reignite the other two. And I saw through that we can get a reignition. Is that a proper English word? I don't know, but we, we, can, we can get lit. <laughs> no, I won't say it that way, but anyway, <laughs> praise the Lord. But I, I thought this was pretty cool. But it, 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 God lights the fire, but it's up to us as men to tend to that fire and keep that thing burning. Because this is what I believe. I believe this invariably. I, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. I just know God's going to do something. But we're going to see a revival that goes global. And it's going to be probably the last revival we're going to see in that before the return of Christ. But I believe there's going to be another revival. Now, to describe a revival, basically we describe it all of a sudden as wonderful. Because I, I got saved in a revival. Uh, not a meeting, but, but, but just, you know. I mean, God just shows up. God becomes real personal. God begins to do things personal. I, I was going to a religious church. I was brought up in religion. I went to a religious church when I got born again. I was in a religion. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing these phrases. I'm driving home. Uh, this is when we lived up in Michigan. I'm driving home in my pickup truck and on the back country roads and going past the farms. And I'm listening to the radio uh, before I lost the signal. <laughs> you know, type of thing. That's how old this was. But anyway, uh, and, 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 and listen to it. And all of a sudden, I heard this thing called about, talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, my church I was in didn't teach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I said this to the Lord. This is, this is under terms of revival. I'll get into the open heaven in a minute. But to think there's a revival. I said, Lord, I says, I want that gifting of the Holy Spirit inside of me. I I'll pray. So what I did, I went home that night. My wife took the kids to church. I stayed home. I went to the back bedroom. I opened up my Bible. And of course, a religious style. I kneeled by the bed 
Why the bed became the altar, I don't know, but that's where we used to kneel and pray. And I just prayed. And God came upon me. This is an open heaven, I'm telling you. God came upon me like I have never experienced in my life. I was filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now understand that nobody gave me any schooling or leading in this. I was filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I was what they used to call slain in the Spirit. I just was on the floor. Well, I was close to the floor anyway. I was just out on the floor. don't know how long. And all of a sudden I walk, woke up healed. My body was healed. And, I, and well, this is my testimony. And I said, this is, this is all that. And I didn't know about revival. I didn't know about all this stuff. And God did something. So I went to church. I was so excited. Man, I was fired up. I was a different person. Uh, I couldn't put the Bible down. Every, every, just, God just opened up. Every scripture meant something to me. It was, it was just, it was beautiful. So I thought, you know, going to church, I got a, I got a testimony. <laughs> you know, I, oh, yeah, Brother Kerr's got a testimony. We're all excited about your testimony. They weren't, they weren't excited about this particular testimony because this kind of went against the doctrines that they were teaching. But I said, I said I, I'm sorry, I didn't know. But I said, in fact, this really happened. I says, and, and I says, you know, I, I says, I can't put the Bible down. I can't get God out of my mind. I says, everything I do, eat, sleep, work. I mean, it was, everything was, was focused on God. I said, that, that can't be the devil. I served the devil 36 years, never did any of that stuff. <laughs> you know, I said, so this has to be God. Pursued it from there. And that's my experience on how God brought me in. So this is times of revival. That happened. My story could, that I just told you could be duplicated hundreds of times. I worked in the construction field. I was a, a union electrician and traveled around with my family and stuff during the recession. And we, I couldn't hit a job site because I worked big industrial jobs. I couldn't hit a job site without finding a Bible study. That's what it was like to have revival. So, the, the, so there is such a thing as revival. I, I like this. The state of revival doesn't ever have to end because God doesn't end it. Man does. Man forgets to put the fuel on the fire. The same thing we do today. Sometimes things interrupt us. Pandemics and different things like that interrupt us. And somehow the fire just starts to go out a little bit. But it, uh, there's a man by the name of Simeon W. Harkin. Who's, this is the one quote I found along the same line. I'm telling you. But here's a quote from Simeon W. Harkin. A state of consistent revival is both possible and practical. And every Christian ought to consist, uh, consistently to, to aim at it and labor and pray for it. That's a good statement. In other words, he said this is very, not only that, he said this is what we should be praying for, a continual state of revival under an open heaven. What this, there's a strange part about, uh, about Simeon. Simeon W. Harkin, you can look this up if you want to, he was born in 1811 and, and lived, to be, lived in, until 1889. He was the president of Carthage College, found in 1847. Carthage College is affiliated with the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the church I grew up in as a kid. And I never heard even the phrase revival. So how many know it can, it can die with the next generation, what we're talking about, but God's word is forever settled in heaven and will never die. Amen. But we can quickly put it out of our consciousness. We can quickly put it out. This man, had, he, he was onto something. He was onto things that some of the revivals at that day did not have. 
Oh, well, this could end at any time. No, he said, no, it shouldn't end. He said, he said the, the, the Christians, like the, like the priest with the fire, keep flaming, putting the flames on there and keep that thing burning. And if that fire goes out, God has a reserve. And if that reserve goes out, he has another reserve called the Holy Spirit within us, and we can ignite it. Do you know every revival from the Welch Revival to the Sousa Street to, I mean, all these other... It wasn't a mass of people that started those revivals. It was just a handful, sometimes just one person. But they did something. They prayed and they obeyed. They prayed and they obeyed. They, when they prayed and obeyed, God would use that person to move upon them. Interesting, interesting. Malachi chapter 3.10, you just saw it up on the screen. We preach this every Sunday. I mean, this is what we put. This is the offering scripture, right? Malachi 3.10, bring the tithes and offerings in the storehouse so there, be food my, so there may be food in my house. I'm reading out New King James. Food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to, for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Amen. Now we say it as an offering song, so let's see if we give, God will open up the windows of heaven. That's not about giving. That's about an open heaven. That scripture is not about giving. I mean, it works, we'll use it for our offering. But God isn't talking about giving. He's talking about an open heaven. In other words, if we're positioned under open heaven, regardless of what opens up that heaven unto us, under that open heaven, we will receive blessing that we can't even contain. Now, he doesn't say money. Some people mark their spirituality by money they have gained uh, through tithes and offerings and so on and so forth. And there's gain in that, but that's not, that's not the mark of spirituality. The mark of spirituality is your relationship with the Father. That's your mark of spirituality. Not how many times you go to church or don't go to church. Or that, no, none of that. Your mark of spirituality is an open heaven. And in an open heaven, it was Jesus was showing us in his earthly ministry, he was showing us how to stand under that portal of heaven. That's my words, calling it the portal of heaven. I, that's kind of how I see it. It's funny, I was preparing for this message, and I, I, getting older, I like to stay flexible, I like to stay in shape. The sports that I do are kind of, you know, physical, so I like to keep in shape. So I, I ride my bicycle and I do my cardio and I do my other exercises and I try to keep in shape as I can. So anyway, I'm out riding my bike and, and I was studying this message. I get on my bike and all of a sudden I'm just praying in the spirit. I just, I couldn't stop. And I looked up in the sky. I know this is kind of probably lame, but I, I looked up in the sky and uh, this is Key West guy. It was cloudy. This was the other day. And I saw one perfectly round hole in the middle of clouds in the direction I was heading. I got the message. That's it. I'm sold. This is the message. This is what we're going to press. Yep, I see. And the, my whole time I'm riding that bike, that same perfectly round hole in the clouds that was all around, was that perfect? I just kept following that hole. <laughs> now, you call it what you want, cumulus clouds, whatever, just a weather pattern. To me, God was speaking. I don't care. I'm, I'm taking God was speaking to me. And I'm, I, I like it. Amen. Praise the Lord. One of the problems that we have in society today, we, I say we, me included, I don't preach down to anybody. Uh, everything that I've had to, that God has shown me, he's shown me first. <laughs> he shows me in my life what I need to straighten out so that I can share it with others. But anyway, uh, I noticed this about Jesus, when I begin to look at the scriptures, Jesus lived in response to the Father. I'm going to make that statement. Jesus lived in response to the Heavenly Father. How many would agree? Yes. 
Everybody would. I mean, this without question. He, but not reaction to the devil. In other words, he lived in response to the, to the Heavenly Father, but not in reaction to the devil. One of the things that God has shown me sometimes as a church we miss is that we react or respond to the devil instead of responding or listening to the Father. In doing that, we put the devil in control of a place of manipulation simply by giving us the next thing we need to pray against. So our, our prayer life becomes that of spiritual warfare. Now, I'm a spiritual warfare person. I believe in spiritual warfare, but not in this light. But what, we're, what happens is our binding and loosing theology has led us more than the voice of the Father. I noticed something with Jesus. Jesus would respond to the Father no matter what the devil was doing. If a demoniac came to him, he'd cast it out. But he didn't go around with a, with a, with a, a deliverance ministry, so to speak, and just went along for every demoniac because I got the power, we're going to heal every demoniac, I stand under an open heaven, so on and so forth. He didn't do that. He didn't respond to the devils and the devil's reaction as he responded to the voice of the Father. In responding to the voice of the Father, he then set people free. Same thing happened. People got set free, but he wasn't led. If you remember Jesus when he was at baptism, this is this, I gotta, I gotta get to this because this basically, Isaiah prophesied in, 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 in Isaiah 64, 1, he says this, oh, that you would rent the heavens, that you would come down that mountain and might shake at your presence. And then what happens, we see, we see Jesus in, 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 his, in his baptism. Mark chapter 1 says, And it came to pass in those days as Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee was baptized by John in the Jordan and immediately come up from the waters and he saw the heavens parted and the Spirit descend upon him like a dove. You see that? That's cute. I got the picture. Jesus comes down to the Jordan. He sees John. He says, John, baptize me. First of all, any Baptist in here this morning? If you are a Baptist and you learned that the baptism, water baptism, we have a baptism underneath the platform here. We open up and, and we immerse people. We dunk them. Baptism in the Greek, baptismo means, is a word that means immerse. And we baptize them. Anybody will tell you, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, all full gospel, Pentecost, or whatever, will tell you that act is for the remission of sins. Correct? Why did Jesus have to get water baptized? when he had no sin. Hmm. Interesting. Question for a theologian? <laughs> I don't think so. Praise the Lord. The fact is, what Jesus did, the same thing he did on the cross, he was crucified on the cross for sins that were not his. And when he was water baptized and came up, an open heaven formed over that. Jesus did that water baptism so our, his followers and us can be under an open heaven. I'm convinced of it. Amen? Let's read the story. What happened was, the, oh yeah, the heavens parted, verse 10, the heavens parted, and the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Of course, we also hear the booming voice come to heaven, this is my son who I am well pleased. Remember that? I started studying this word, that word parting, the heavens parting. Are you ready for this? 
I flip ahead, fast forward in the, in the story, go to uh, as far as Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn from top to from top to bottom, from God's side to our side, this is at the crucifixion of Christ, and the earth quaked, and the rocks did split. Split, torn, heavens parted, all mean the same word in the Greek. It was a violent force that ripped it apart. Why would it be that when Jesus stepped in the river Jordan to be baptized, he'd come up out of the water baptized, that the Father took the heavens and had to rip them apart? The same way he ripped the rocks, the same way he ripped that veil that seemed to be indestructible. Ripped it from top to bottom, from his side to us. He made an open heaven right over Christ. Hmm. Why would he have to rip? Here's something. Let me give you some information here. I'll give you some background information, maybe help you understand a little bit better. There are three heavens that are mentioned in the Bible. Okay, three heavens. One of them is named, well, two of them are named. One of them is kind of implied. It's not mentioned, but it's implied. I'll I'll give you the scripture for those. The first one, the first heaven is mentioned in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. It says, that's the realm of heaven that we live in every day. Right here, according to the scriptures, this is the realm of heaven. This someday will, will, will go away. Then there's the third heaven. We have a first heaven. We have a third heaven. The third heaven is mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul talks about this realm where he was taken up into the third heavens. Then there's a second heaven. This second heaven is a realm of angels and demons that's not seen in the natural world, but it positions itself between here where we live in the atmosphere and the third heaven where God reigns in his throne remains. That means there's a blockage between this first heaven and third heaven. When God came down with Jesus, when he was baptized, he said, this is it. He said, my son doesn't need the baptism of repentance. He's did it for, for all of us. So what happens, he took that second heaven and he ripped it apart like this. Under, get, the, get the visual of that. He rent it like a rock and he ripped it apart. The demonic realm, the angelic realm, whatever operated in this, he ripped it aside. And what he did, he peeled back the curtain like he did in the veil of the temple. And now he's given access to us directly to his throne room without the hindrance of the demonic. Amen. Praise God. That's, that's basically what happened. So when I talk about an open heaven, I want you to see this. There is no second heaven in the way. There is no demonic influence that's going to block this thing. There isn't a power on this planet that can block that except you. Are you here? And me, you know, point fingers. Praise the Lord. And this is what we're talking about. I'm trying not, I want to get too theological this morning and and, and get stuck in that. I want to give you you the, the, the highlights. But basically, all through the scriptures, this is, this is what God has been showing us. And that's the, that's the thing. So in Jesus' baptism, when he came up out of the water, it wasn't just a cute little water baptism. Because anybody ever asked the question, why would Jesus need a baptism? He didn't have any sin. Uh, baptism is for the remission of sins. Everybody tell you that. I mean, that's, I guess scriptural, mountain of scripture proved that. Remission of sins. Jesus didn't have any sin. Why didn't he remission of sin? Well, he, he was crucified for ours. He didn't have any sin either. And every curse, every sickness and disease was placed upon his body when he went to that cross. 
And for the first time, Jesus saw something he didn't see through his whole earthly ministry is the heavens closed back up over him as he shouts out to the Father, why, did you forsake, have, how, why have you forsaken me? The first time in Jesus' life, the, the whole thing, the, his earthly ministry, the heavens closed up because of the sin and the curse that he bared on his body for us as a sacrifice. And when he rose up from the dead, guess what? Violently, it was ripped and tore back again. There's another incident what happened in the book of Acts in chapter 2. Remember when, the, when Jesus said uh, he ascended into heaven, but he made this statement. He says, he said, it is, an, it is expedient that I go. For if I do not go, he said, the comforter will not come. So it's expedient. In other words, the comforter that's going to come is going to keep an open heaven. Right now, I'm standing here. Jesus was saying, I'm standing right here. And over top of me, there's an open heaven. But I'm going to send the comforter to you. And that comforter is going to keep you over heaven. What was that? Day of Pentecost. Day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Do you remember what happened? They were all, this is, ten, this is a 10-day long prayer meeting from Passover to Pentecost, there's 10 days in there. Pentecost means 50. 40 days to Passover, extra 10 days, that's 50, that's Passover. That's what, pass, uh, that's what Pentecost, or Pentecost, that's what Pentecost means. It means 50. So there are 10 days in this prayer meeting, all of a sudden on the 10th day, a roar of wind comes through that place where they're praying. Can I suggest to you this morning, it wasn't just where they were praying, it also came through Jerusalem, the entire city, because a crowd quickly gathered on the outside of that upper room when Peter came out. Now we have in our minds that they came because they heard these guys rattling off in their own language. That wouldn't be a strange ordeal, because in Jerusalem they had all the different languages there, because everybody from every nation was already gathered there for the Passover. So it was all, everybody. It'd be like, okay, Miami is an English-speaking town, tongue-in-cheek. Uh, uh, and all of a sudden, we're going to be amazed because we hear somebody speaking Spanish. Better yet, Key West. We're down on Duval Street, Key West. What are you doing down there? I don't know. We're just down on Duval Street, Key West. And we hear somebody speaking Haitian. I'm going to check this out. Why? No, nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to do it back then either. Can I suggest to you this morning, that didn't gather the crowd outside. What gathered the crowd outside is God <laughs> ripping back the second part of heaven and placing an open heaven. And his Holy Spirit comforter came down, descended upon them, and has never, ever left. It is still here. Yes. Amen. That's what Jesus says. It's imperative that I go away. When I go, here comes the comforter. And they all begin to speak in other tongues. And this is where we get hung up. Well, it must be about speaking in tongues. No, it's not about speaking in tongues. It's about standing under open heaven. Man, it's about speaking in tongues. Are you kidding me? That was, a, that was just the, the beginning. That's the tip of the iceberg. Peter comes out of that. And in Acts chapter 3, he goes over. He sees a lame man outside the temple. Outside the temple. And he's begging for silver and gold. And Peter walks up to him. The first miracle we see after the day of Pentecost. And he says, silver and gold, I have none. But what I have, I'll give you. Listen to me, church. What we don't have, we don't give away. But what we do have, we can. Yeah. He said, what I, what I, 
I don't have any silver or gold. But he said, well, I, I'll give to you. And he stretched out his right hand, which we know the right-handed blessing from Jacob is the strongest blessing that went on Ephraim, the youngest, which should have gone on Manasseh, but it didn't because he crossed his hands. So the right-handed blessing, got another message in there real quick. Uh, but, uh, but another, but he stretched out his right hand. The Bible specifically says his right hand. And when he did, he said, rise and walk. This man was 40 years old, had never walked in his life. Now all of a sudden, he picks him up and he walks. Why? Because Peter was standing under an open heaven. Praise the Lord. Do you remember this statement? Jesus made this statement. He said, he says, greater works, greater works will you do because I go to the Father. He went to the Father. He says this in John chapter 14, verse 12. He said, most assuredly I say unto you, who believes in me and the works that I do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. With Jesus going to the Father, sending the Holy Spirit, put it over top of us and open heaven. Amen. And access to the Father, to what he has, all the access that we have, that we haven't tapped in yet. When Jesus said that, do you remember the story when Jesus was walking in the crowd and a woman with a bleeding problem, came up to him and touched the hem of his garment. I've preached this a hundred times here. It shows you the, the, the teeth seats on the, on the end of the prayer shawl, uh, the five knots for the five books of Moses and so on and so forth is what she grabbed for. Without Jesus even being aware of what was going on, all of a sudden virtue went out of him from an open heaven, because he was standing in an open heaven, and power went into her and healed her. Twelve-year affliction. Jesus said, greater works will you do. Greater works come along through the apostle Paul when they go ahead and they put aprons and cloths and handkerchiefs upon his body. Pull that off and take it to the person across town or wherever they are and lay it on them and they become healed. That's greater because Jesus, he reached out and touched his garment. But now with Paul, they take the piece of garment off. I got one better than that. Here's a greater work. Peter's walking down and he has a shadow. Look like we all have a shadow in the sun. And all of a sudden his shadow just passes over the sick. And they walk up healed. Greater work, wouldn't you say? Under the open heaven. Jesus said, it's imperative that I go. And the comforter will come. The Holy Spirit will come. And we'll have greater, greater responses than what even I have done here. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I got excited. That's enough right there to make anybody shout. But greater faith comes through surrender, not striving. Peter didn't, uh, the disciples didn't say, oh boy, I hope this comes to pass. Oh, I hope, uh, I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I hope this comes to pass. I hope this comes to pass. They didn't do any of that. They simply surrendered. Lord, I'm on your assignment. How do you know that? Well, Acts chapter 4 is how I know that. Do you remember Peter and the man, lame man, the guy got up. He got up and he walked. He took Peter's hand and he walked into the temple to worship. He wasn't ever allowed in the temple because he had a physical affliction. People with physical afflictions weren't allowed in the temple. But he now is healed. And the Bible said he walked with Peter and he began to leap. And he began to dance and he began to praise God. That was a natural response to receiving the Holy Spirit from an open heaven, natural response. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Amen? This isn't one that's, oh, I'm proud of my confession. I've been confessing healing, confessing healing. I believe in confession. But this wasn't a puffed up type of thing. He's saying, man, the Lord just came down through Peter and I'm healed. You know, Peter got in trouble for that. Matter of fact, they dragged him before the temple guards and dragged him before the Sanhedrin and before the Pharisees and they began to counsel. So tell us how you did this healing. By what name? He said, by the Son of God, Jesus, the Messiah. I'm paraphrasing, but he said, this is what he says. He says, you're forbidden to preach that name here. He said, and what happens, there was a crowd of a bunch of people, about 5,000 people. This crowd just started hollering and yelling because they liked what they saw. And so the Pharisees and the temple guards they kind of backed off and let them alone. Peter went immediately back to prayer. And his next prayer in Acts chapter 4, this is what he says. Ah, I love it. In verse 29, he says, Now, Lord, look at their threats and grant your servants all oh, protection, Lord. I mean, we're afraid for our lives all over again. That's not what he said. That's not what he said at all. He said, grant, he said, grant your servants with all boldness that I may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In other words, I'm not changing my assignment. I'm not stopping for nothing. I don't care what they do. I'm still going to do what you called me to do. No matter what. All I'm asking you for, Lord, is just put a spirit of boldness on me so I'm not shaken by anything they threaten me with. Kind of sounds like the beginning of the pandemic. I just thank God I was in Florida, not California, because I'd probably be going to jail. But anyway, but hallelujah. We did not close our church during the pandemic, none whatsoever. Thank God we had a good governor who said that houses of worship, churches and synagogues, are essential businesses and we're allowed to remain open. Yes. Praise the Lord. And because of it, we got our supernatural protection. Can anybody testify this morning? <laughs> Including this one. Praise the Lord. Our daycare stayed open. Why? Because this is the assignment that God has given us in the Key West. And I don't care what anybody says. We'll do our assignment. Lord, if we have to, we'll pray for your boldness. I want to remain under that open heaven. As long as I'm doing what God has told me to do and remain, I'll remain under an open heaven for everything else. I believe that. That's what I believe. You can believe what you want. But what they were believing for is the devil runs out of strength. See, people don't look at this. Because he's a faker. But the devil runs out of strength, but God will never run out of strength. And so give us boldness, Lord. We know our boldness will overcome the devil because he's going to run out of strength. Amen. He's not going to be able to keep, he's not going to be able to maintain what he just bit off. Amen? Amen? The thing is, the bolder the message is, the stronger the signs. The cowardly the message is, bring timid breakthroughs. Amen? When we believe a liar, we empower, when we believe a lie, we empower the liar. And the lie, and the lie becomes raised up above the knowledge of God. Hmm. If the enemy can't get me to sin, he will try to stop me from fulfilling God's purpose in me. 
sin is operating outside of our design. We know that from Adam. <laughs> Adam wasn't designed to sin. He was designed to obey God. As long as he did, he lived in paradise. As, long, as soon as he didn't, he was operating outside of the design, and he moved out of his design to the post that was designed for him. Praise the Lord. Isn't it amazing? Out of all the world, going back to Genesis, out of all the world, that Garden of Eden was under an open heaven. None of the rest of the world was. Just the Garden of Eden. When Adam sinned, he was put out of that garden and out from under the open heaven. Now he needed to have a method of sacrifices to get fellowship back with God. How do you know that? How do you know he was under open heaven? Because God came down and they conversed freely. In the cool of the evening, they would talk and they would sit there and he face to face with God. So it was like in an open heaven, we're here on the planet. We're still here. But yet it's like we're in his presence. We're here, but we're there too. We're here with the benefits of there. I like there, but he's called me here. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Paul writes this in Romans chapter 15. I got nine minutes yet. You ready for some more? I, I, got, I got more than nine minutes worth. Praise the Lord. But let, let me give you this. Paul writes this, and this is one of my favorite scriptures. He writes in Romans 15, chapter 19. In mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, from Jerusalem round about to Ikarium, I have fully preached the gospel. It's only fully preached, only fully preached when the signs and wonders follow. Amen. It's preached, but fully preached when signs and wonders follow. Hallelujah. Paul expected him. Why? Because he understood open heaven. How do you understand open heaven? That's how he got in the kingdom, do you remember? <laughs> Jesus came down and was there. He says, Saul, Saul, why do you per persecute me? Remember he was persecuting the church? And his blindness, his, his, his sight was gone, and blindness was in his place, and he had to rely upon the church and the prayers of the church, Ananias to be exact, to remove the blindness so he could see. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and here's how God, this is God's sense of humor. Here's another open heaven story for you, just real quick. Acts chapter 7, Stephen is being stoned to death for preaching the gospel first deacon of the church. And just before he dies, he looks up in heaven and he says, I see the heavens open and I see the Son of God standing at the right hand of the Father. Standing, not sitting. The man that was holding his coat, in other words, the accuser, was Saul or Paul. So Paul's got his coat Well, they're stoning this man to death. But before he dies, he sees something that's unusual. Jesus is not sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's standing. What happens in royalty sitting on a throne and all of a sudden stands up? Something's about to happen. I mean, we don't even have to have language here. The body language alone from the seated position, only place you're going to find Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And, and, and Stephen saw it. He said, I see him standing at the right hand. In other words, he's poised for action. And I could just see Jesus in heaven scanning the crowd. Hmm, you. I got you. Now you think, here's what I would do. If I was King Jesus, 
lightning bolt, boom, accuracy beyond control, and we're, do we're done with it. Not Jesus, not Jesus, no, 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 no. You see, you are going to be ever for change, forever, and you are going to be responsible. Now, here's the, here's the kicker. Saul, which was later changed to Paul, uh, to get more of a Gentile feel to his name, uh, uh, was a son of a Pharisee studied under Gamil, the top Pharisee of the Pharisees of that day. This guy had a Harvard education, so to speak, or Yale or Princeton, whatever school you like. He had a, he had a good education. <laughs> and this is the guy, right? He's holding his coat. Yes, I'm doing work for God. Hallelujah. And Jesus looks and says, you, you, you are going to now be the one number one apostle that is going to bring the message to every Gentile you see. The Jews are going to hate you. <laughs> but the Gentiles are going to love you. <laughs> well, some of them are. <clears throat> Until you interfere with their businesses and making money off of soothsayers, then there's going to be another story. And, amen? Which brings us to the story when he and Silas were in jail. What happened in jail? What happened in prison? He's, let's sing praises? Why? You remember that do you remember the second fire under the altar? Yes. Remember the second fire? Let's get into that second fire. Yeah. I'm starting to feel my first fire going out here. We've got problems going on. Let's get to that second fire and start worshiping God. And at worshiping God, he came again. And here we go. Ready? He rent, pulled back the heavens and put it right over Paul. And it shook that prison. And the doors flew open. Amen. And nobody left. Amen? And Paul says, you guys all put me here in secret. He said, now you get the majesties, the judges, and everybody else. Now they're going to release me publicly. They took Paul one time and they stoned him to death. They left him for dead outside the city. Come on, church. <laughs> That's a bad day in anybody's book. All of a sudden, the open heaven comes and Paul is lifted back up. What does he do? His assignment. He goes right back into the same city and he finishes his message. Yes, amen. The same city that tried to kill him. I love it. <laughs> if we ever get a hold of this thing, in the fullness of that is intended to scripture, open heaven is going to change lives like you would never see. Yes, it's absolutely phenomenal. I'm so excited about it. I was telling the, uh, sitting in, in the war room with leadership and Saray saying, slow down, I can't type that fast. <laughs> Getting stuff for the internet, get stuff for the, put up a, I said, it, but it, it's that kind of a season to where God is doing miracles. God, we're, we're seeing answers to the prayer in our own. They haven't, we haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything. It's just the tip of the iceberg, what I mean. I mean, we've seen stuff, but I mean, it's not just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, yeah, the gospel of the Lord has to be fully preached. And it has to be fully preached in Key West with signs and wonders. Oh, it has over the years. I've got 31 years here. Okay? And we've seen, I got stories, we'd be here next Tuesday. But the fact is, is he's, but the thing is, today, he's going to do things today. Let's see the miracles. See, where before the church was just interested in church attendance, this next move of God, I'm, I'm convinced in my soul, is not going to be done with just a preacher. Or, or one person heading this thing up. But it's going to be a corporate anointing that spills out on the entire body of Christ. And you, the, the lay person, if I use that stupid term, but the, the, the other person, other pre just not preachers. Just not pastors or, or part of the five-fold ministry.
but just a common person, all of a sudden, just like in the early church, you're going to see miracles through your hands. You're going to pray for people that seem to be hopeless. My wife is praying for, is praying for a guy in town, and he's so bad that his coworkers now tell us, don't pray for him anymore. Pray for us to have to endure him. <laughs> I want to pray for all of you. <laughs> We're very loved and very respected in that particular circle, but it's still in the world. And it was a, no, pray for, you're praying for this, because Diane would see the guy every day, praying for you, praying for you. It's amazing how the world will take prayer. That's a strange thing. Take prayer. Because what we figure, my wife and I, we figure it's an honor, because it's part of our commission, part of our call. It's an honor to be able to go to the Lord on somebody else's behalf. Yes, I don't know, maybe because years ago, I'm just glad it's not me. Joke. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> My wife prays for me probably as much as she prays for this other fellow, but praise the Lord. <laughs> but um, amen. Can you imagine under open heaven? One minute, 45 seconds. First storm. They're in a boat. Sea is turned up. It's turned up. Peter does exactly right. He goes to Jesus with a prayer request. Doesn't come across that way. He says, don't you care that we're perishing? Lord, do something about this storm. Jesus gets up, peace, but still the storm quiets. Turns to Peter and says, you have a little faith. Where's your faith? Second storm, Jesus is not in the boat. Jesus is up on the mountain praying. All of a sudden, he looks down. He sees his disciples in the sea. Nobody's praying. Nobody's complaining. They're laying their backs into the oars like crazy. Why? Because in a storm, you have to keep the boat positioned into the wind. If you get crossways, you'll capsize. So you get the length of the boat into the waves. Hard going because the waves are pushing against them, beating against the boat, and they're laying into the oars to keep that boat straightened out. And they're doing everything they can to keep the right attitude of that boat. Jesus sees it. He's not even answering a prayer. He comes out onto the water, walks out onto the water, stands there. Peter says, Lord, if that be you, bid me to come. Remember they were afraid? He said, be not afraid, it's me. If that be you, bid me to come. What was he thinking? Peter set the terms of engagement to the impossible. He set his own terms. I can't walk on water. Only Jesus can do that. Peter knew something. I believe, this is my take on it. I believe Peter knew something that, that the other disciples failed to recognize. Is as long as Jesus was there, there was no storm around him. Let me go where he's at, and I can get out of the storm too. Why? Because Jesus had an open heaven from the water baptism. Every place he went, he had an open heaven. If I can get close to Jesus, I can get underneath that open heaven. Peter knew that. And it worked until the time he got his eyes off of Jesus and started, oh my God, look at all these problems. My God, COVID, quarantine, taxes. Oh my God. And down, down, down we go. I still give him credit because he was close enough to Jesus for Jesus to reach down and pick him back up. And he didn't say, you have no faith. He said, you have little faith. So you had enough faith to step out the boat. But let me help you with that. They both walked back to the boat, and when they did, the storm ceased. The open heaven followed both him and Peter across, because Peter walked back to the boat, holding Jesus' hand. Oh, granted. But that open heaven caused him to walk back to the boat. When they stepped in the boat, now the open heaven's over the boat, over the Sea of Galilee, and the whole thing just dissipated. Amen. <laughs> My take on the story. Anything out of the word this morning? Yeah. Praise the Lord.
Amen. I ran out of time, but I'm not out of assignment. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. How many know? How many would have prayed that way? I, I, I got to look at my own self, but I have prayed that way. I mean, they're threatening. I mean, these guys can do me harm, bodily harm, physical harm. And all I got to do is shut up and move to another town. I mean, after all, Jesus is everywhere, right? He said, no, we're not doing that. Give us the boldness. We're going right back to the same temple, to the same place, to the same people, and we're going to do this again. Why? Because that's our assignment. We offer prayer and healing. Why? Because Jesus said, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils. The church has declined from that over time. Why? Because, well, you'll see nothing happen. Well, lay hands, nothing happens. The devil's still there. It is. They'll see nothing happen. Whether you're good at whatever you do or not, doesn't matter. You don't have the authority to change the mandate. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. We don't pray to see miracles. We pray because it's mandated for us by God to pray and to intercede for everybody so the miracles, let him do the works. I understand this. We don't go back and find out an excuse. Well, I don't know. It didn't work this time. I mean, I don't know what happened. It didn't work. I mean, then we start coming up with stupid theologies. Forget it. All I know that God is perfect all the time and a deficiency is never on his end. I can't explain why sometimes it doesn't work out here. All I know, my mandate from God is keep on praying, laying on hands, not to discern it. So this church will always give time to pray for people and to lay hands on people because Jesus said to do it. It's part of our mandate, and we don't have the authority to change the assignment. If you believe the word of God like we do, it says that. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The recovery and the lay hands... We do what God does to the best of our ability. There's times where I had to go back and say, God, why didn't that work? I mean, the other one here, I got, I've got miracles from West Africa, Guatemala. I mean, you, I, mean I could say Chile, uh, uh, Jamaica. I mean, you, you name it. All the places I've been, miracles have happened. Come back home sometimes, and there's always that you know, one or two, what, what happened? Why? Why not? You know, why, what's going on? So I said, all I know if deficiency isn't with God, it must be with me. I'll go back and I'll pray. And I'll get in the seat and I'll get built back up again. And we'll go out and we'll do it again. 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 Or the person comes back and says, well, you know, they still got an ailment. <clears throat> I live under open heaven. Come on back. Let's do it again. We all live under open heaven. In the name of Jesus, do it again. And we'll do it again. And we'll do it again. Say, well, did Jesus do it that way? Absolutely. Remember the blind man? Reached some dirt, he spit in it, rubbed it on his eyes, still blind, and tells him to go wash off into the fountain. How's he supposed to find a fountain or the pool? How's he supposed to find it? Why didn't he just heal him right there? Why didn't he just lay hands on him and be done with it? How come he had to go through all that? I don't know. Only God knows. But Jesus did it. Space of time, sometimes it takes a space of time for healing. What's, what's that all about? Well, remember the 10 lepers? The Bible specifically says, Jesus told him, be cleansed, go show yourself to the priest. And they were healed as they went. One member came back to thank Jesus. He said, didn't, all nine, didn't the other nine get healed? He said, yeah, we all got healed. He said, but only one came back to thank the Lord. That tells me one out of ten Christians come back, we ever hear about it, that we pray for. But the space of time, there was a space of time. As they went is a space of time. Don't get discouraged because sometimes it takes longer than you expect or anything else. We'll pray again if we have to, and we'll pray again, whatever it takes. 
but we're going to stand under open heaven. We're going to trust God in all things. Sometimes the hardest person to pray for is yourself. <clears throat> but you go to somebody else. We don't have all your doubts and unbeliefs <laughs> about you. You know, we have them about ourselves, but not about you. You know, <laughs> praise the Lord. How many got something out of the word this morning? Hallelujah. Let's stand to the word in a closing prayer. I like every other Sunday when the live we'll be ending the live stream, the live stream, and then we'll have anybody wants prayer for anything for healing, whatever. We'll lay on our hands or whatever. You want at the altar here, we'll be glad to do that for you and pray for you. Amen? So um, we'll do that. Our leadership will be here. Oh, I'm off the air already. Praise the Lord. Well, I'll pray anyway. Hallelujah. And, uh, but um, uh, uh, my message, if you want to hear this message again, easy. Go to YouTube. It'll be on this afternoon sometime. And my message will be up on YouTube. You can get access all the stuff we have by the church app. It's free to you to download. Apple, Google Play, we've mentioned all that. But also your prayer things in there. We want to pray. Give her a prayer request. I don't care who it is, family member, whatever it is, doesn't matter. We're praying for, right now we're praying for people all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. I pray for people in Israel. Uh, I know people in Israel, so I get pray, pray for people all the time. But North Carolina just this week and, and, and so on and so forth. So family members, friends, whatever you have, we're going to pray for them. Use that church app. But if you're here this morning and you want me to lay hands and physically lay hands up, plus our leadership, so there's more than just one person praying for you. The leadership, we pray, my leaders believe in healing. Okay, they've experienced it. Every believer here has experienced healing. From the, uh, every leader has experienced the healing of the, in their own bodies themselves. Uh, we'll be here to pray for you, and so on and so forth. Okay, okay enough talking. I'm going to end the service. If you, if you got to go, God bless you. Uh, uh, we'll let you go. Uh, um, um, we'll keep your kids so you stay. No, it's <laughs> no, it's a joke. Uh, but um, if you do want to stay, I'll, I'll hear whatever it takes. This is our assignment. <clears throat> Father, we thank you. <clears throat> we praise you, Lord, right now that we stand under your open heaven. And as those that need prayer, Father God, we pray your open heaven. There is no sickness and disease in heaven. There is no poverty or lack in heaven. There is no grief in heaven. There is only peace, joy, and the presence of the Father. May that be here today as we pray for people, Father God. But, and we just thank you, Father, for a wonderful service. And these people here made all the difference in the world because we're two or three gathered in your name. Your spirit is in the midst of gathered. The gathering brings your spirit, brings you your presence here. And that is what we acknowledge, and that is what we love this morning. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father God, for all the things you've shown us this morning. My goodness, I was speaking a mile a minute. But Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that the true message that needs to be said by God falls on the ears of the hearer. Praise the Lord. Sometimes it's not what I say, it's what you heard. <laughs> funny, but that's what happens. But Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. If you have to leave, go with God. Be blessed. Uh, come on back next week. <laughs>